Welcome to another edition of the Lakers Locker Room. I'm your co-host, Tejan Graham. Alongside me is my guy, the one, the only, Mr. Jason Little. Jason, how are you doing today, man? Fantastic, fantastic. Today we got another special good one for you guys. She's a former student at Nipissing University and was the member of the women's basketball team. She graduated from Nipissing in 2019 with honors in business administration and received her certificate in entrepreneurship finance. Please welcome to the Lakers Locker Room, Nikisa Kumasingh. Nikisa, how are you doing today? Good, good. How are you? I'm good. How have you been? I've been staying safe in Toronto. Yeah, you know, just on lockdown, not really doing much, working, working from home. And yeah, and Hoop Queens is getting started. So yeah, I haven't really, you know, been doing too much, but yeah. So we're gonna get right into it. Um, you've already touched a little bit just now, but um, you know, since you left Nipissing back in 2019, you've been busy doing a great, a lot of great things back in Toronto. Most notably, you started a network for female basketball players called Hoop Queens. Just talk to us a bit about how Who Queens came about and why it was so important for you to start this network for the female basketball players. So as you guys know, um, well, basketball players, at least when we come home from school and university or college or whatever it is, um, or even pro overseas, we don't have much places or safe spaces to like to hoop. And um, I found that, you know, throughout my university career, there was no like runs for females or I'd always have to ask guys to jump in or. I have to know somebody to know somebody to, to be in a run. So I was like, you know what? Like I had the gym space. Well, I was, I was training one of my players that I was coaching. And then um, uh, one of the guys that were there, they were like, Hey, you know, we have some extra gym time. Why don't you get to some girls together? And then that's kind of how I, you know, I started hoop Queens, but, um, but yeah, it was just, you know, creating a safe space for women to, to hoop and stuff like that. So, cause we don't really have a specific place. Um, yeah, and we always have to go back to our rep teams or something like that to to hoop and and the level of competition. Obviously, you're playing. Yes, you're playing great high school players, but you're not playing girls that are your age or girls that are above your age. So, um, with hoop queens, um, we've kind of established a high competitive um, run where it's pro players, university and college, and then we add in some young girls in there so that um, they can get the experience of hooping at a college or a university level for their next level, right? So, so yeah, it's just all a mix of a whole bunch of athletes <laughs> at all levels, yeah. For all of our uh, entrepreneur and business listeners out there, can you give a little advice on what the startup process is for something like this and kind of process of growing it and advancing? Yeah, um, I mean, I'm still in you know, the little baby stages, but, um, you know, I think the hardest thing for me was to actually just start it. Like, I think that's that's with all entrepreneurs, you know, you, you want it to be perfect before you start and you just, you can't, you can't have that mentality. So um, my advice would just be, you know, just take that the leap of faith. And you always hear that everybody say, you know, just, just start, just start, just start. But like, honestly, if it fails, you'll figure it out. We as humans, we always figure it out. So, um, so yeah, just, just start it and, and see how it goes. And then when it, when it, whenever whatever barriers you um come across you'll get through it so yeah so since you started hoop queens what aspect of this venture has been the most fulfilling for you is it the competition the opportunities you're giving to the females the feedback from it like what's been the most fulfilling part of doing hoop queens so far for you um a couple of things actually um just seeing some of my friends my old friends some of the people that i used to compete with um, you know, reconnecting and, you know, being on the same team um, 
And I think one of the main reasons that I kind of added in the young girls was just to see, um, you know, an older generation of, of players with the younger generation of great players and just being on the same floor because you can never really be on the same floor because we're, you know, we're all at different, you know, stages in our lives and, and um, our careers and stuff. So like, we'll never get, uh, we'll never get a chance to play against each other. So, um, so when I seen that, I was just like, oh my God, like, oh, this is so cool. I <laughs> can't believe I did this. <laughs> but um, just giving the, the, the chance for, for um, girls to just reconnect and, and even make new friends and make, make uh, new connections with um, either the people that um, are playing or watching or whatever it is, just to just, you know, network and give them a chance to like meet new people and reconnect, I guess. Yeah. The year is still early, but any goals for 2021 for Hoop Queens? Oh, yes, yes. Um, so just expand um, to give more um, time for the girls, because last summer, our summer series, we only had I think an hour and a half um, just because there was guys coming in after. And obviously now that we're more established and everyone sees like, hey, girls can hoop too, you know, um, at the gym space that we're at, you know, they're going to give us a two hour or four hour block. And I, I feel like just that alone gets me, gives me a chance as a person who's organizing or facilitating it, um, a chance for more people to come in or, you know, just to, to house more girls. Cause I couldn't really like, there was, let's say a list of 25 or 30 girls and I couldn't, and there were 60 girls asking me <laughs> to play. And obviously in a run, you can't do 60 people because then you're going to be waiting for like ever. So, you know, with, um, you know, new gyms popping up in the city and stuff like that, them having two, four, two or three courts is going to be a lot um, easier for me as a, as a person who's facilitating it. So my goal for, for 2021 is just to, um, you know, house more girls in, in our runs and have that, that high, com high competition and competitive factor still there, you know? Now, do you see this expanding to other cities in the later future at all? Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. Like Ottawa. Yeah, I know you guys have some, some dope, some dope athletes out there. So Ottawa, um, you know, out east, because that's where I, you know, I, I originally went to school and I know there's like some girls that could really hoop out there. Um, I haven't been out west. Um, haven't really got a contact out west, but I follow some girls and some some universities out there. And I, I obviously watch watch their games and stuff like that. So I know east and west coast needs something like this too because you know the girls that are originally from there they obviously need something when they're done when their season's done so like a run out there would be ideal could you see the other provinces too because like the one next to us like quebec like quebec's got a lot of great oh, yeah. hoopers coming yeah. up so they but that's what the, that's the thing like i have to obviously do my research and um and stuff like that to, to see you know gym space the correct gym space um you know and if you know the coaches would you know co all come together and just you know let their players play or whatever because you know sometimes sometimes they, they're on like a training some schools are on training schedules and stuff like that they don't really want it's like a give and take for runs like some coaches don't really want their players to be in runs because it's like you can get hurt you know um so it's just you know just doing the research and stuff like that but i definitely do see it in hopefully all provinces <laughs> one day and even globally, like, you know, there's there's other countries, like obviously in America, they they've been hooping, they've been open. But um, but like, you know, in the Caribbean and you know, like Europe, like, you know, there's 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 people out there when their seasons are done, they need to go back to something and still hoop or train. So there's ample opportunity for like a lot of different places, like you said, Europe, Australia, New Zealand, yeah. can't hear US, like 
that's the beauty about basketball too. Like there's so many opportunities. You don't just have to play in the States. Like you said, like there's all over the world. Like you have ample opportunities to still be successful. So it's great that you're giving, especially the females, an opportunity to display themselves and showcase and have fun and get to know each other. Cause you never know that people can meet people and yeah, take and different opportunities and go over the place. Resources, right? Like there's a lot of girls that, you know, they have agents in our runs. Obviously they're, run, they're, they're playing overseas and stuff like that. You know, they need an agent or they need, um, you know, just a look or whatever it is, you know, they, they share and reconnect and then, hey, you end up overseas or, hey, you end up at a school that, you know, you may, you may have dreamed to go to. So, um, so yeah, it just, it's just um, reconnecting and, and, and sharing those resources within the, the hub or the network that we're trying to create, yeah. Let's talk quickly about your post-secondary career. So you played for a number of years, you competed at a high level. Looking back, what were some of your best memories playing post-secondary basketball? I mean, some of, some of my best memories was, um, you know, just getting to know and adapting to different environments and, and people. Basketball is kind of like the foundation. And then I kind of use basketball to network and, you know, um, gain experiences in, in life and stuff like that. So, um, I mean, I've never seen it. Probably, okay, one time we were, um, I think we went, it was the first time we went OT against York. That was like really exhilarating because, you know, <laughs> finally might win <laughs> you know like that was that was and then we lost in overtime but you know that was like you know a game where like I really felt like you know the program kind of like shifted and it was like okay we're together you know this is what winning feels like um so I feel like that game was was a really memorable game for me in my career and everything but yeah it's we've asked other guests about this question but I want to hear from you because you're the first female we've had in here and I want to hear from the female perspective. So how difficult actually was the transition from high school to college sports or youth sports? And what advice would you give for incoming female freshmen based off your experiences playing college and youth sports about the transition? Um, okay, so to break down that question, I would say it's, it's very different though. Like, like coming from high school to college, um, when I went out, out, out in PEI, that was like, it was a really good experience <laughs> you know it's it's like you know a toronto city girl like you know going out there to the pei where there's like nothing i mean not nothing but you know it's not like toronto um but just to kind of stay remain focused and remain um remain focused on your goal your end goal is to you know get your education and also create more opportunities for basketball um I think when it comes to, you know, high school, you know, you have your, you have your friend group and you have, you know, your day-to-day -day routine. But when it comes to college, it's like, I live by myself. I have new friends. I'm, I have different classes and I'm creating more, more friends, you know, and it's, it's um, a thing where you can easily get distracted. So um, my advice would be, you know, just take your time and like get a routine for yourself and, and stay focused and just always remember the end goal um for for college and i think for university as well university is a little scary um scarier than college um for university i would say um you know you have to really learn yourself in university like know yourself in college too but like in university you have to learn your your learning styles and you know how you study and how you know if you're if you do well in tests or assignments or whatever you have to kind of know your strengths and get to know yourself so i would say try to get to know yourself earlier. Cause I felt like I, I didn't really understand university or the life of university until like my third or fourth year, you know? Um, and then I started to do really well in school. So, um, 
for my advice for, for, for high school kids coming into university would just be, you know, start, start to know your habits and start to know yourself, um, get to know yourself earlier. In terms of being a student athlete, did you struggle out the gate with um, balancing school and practices and games? Or did you, would you say that from the beginning, like you were fine, like you were good, you were comfortable? Um, in college, um, I struggled with uh, the personal, with basketball, with school, and I kind of didn't really know how to balance it all. And, that, and that's just like everybody goes through it, you know? And um, yeah, I think I had a t- I think I, I think I had a hard time in college. Um, balancing all of that and then I think when I went to university it all came to me like I got to know myself I got to um, know okay this is what I can handle this is what I can't handle um so so yeah no I didn't really have a hard time honestly um like focusing in university or because I've always I've just that's I've always had that student athlete mentality um going in you know you have a game on the weekend you need to time manage your homework all this other stuff and practices and stuff like that. So it was just a, an adjustment for me um, in terms of practice times. Cause obviously when we're in high school, we practice like what, twice a week or something. And then in university, we are practicing every day. <laughs> like, and then coaches, you know, they say you have a day off but you don't really have a day off, you know they wanna see if you're in the gym. So, um, so yeah, it just, it just adjusting. Um, I think that was my hardest thing barrier that I, I faced with um, the whole transition, but yeah. Like what you've been hearing so far? Make sure to follow us on IG at Lakers Locker Room and subscribe to our YouTube channel while you're at it, where you can find clips of all our episodes and video content associated with the podcast. Part two of the Lakers Locker Room starts now. Recently, you used your platform to go in depth about your personal struggles with post-career depression. To talk to a bit about why it was so important for you to share your story. I think the... Honestly, I think we don't talk about it enough. Like uh, as, as athletes, like we go into a transition where we stop playing obviously, and then we just work. And it's like, no one told me that I was gonna be depressed <laughs> or no one told me that I was gonna go through this transition of like feeling sad or feeling like I'm not a basketball player anymore, you know? So um, it just needs to be talked about more. And I find that if it's more, if it's talked about, people will be prepared you know, earlier that, you know, you're not just a basketball player. Like there's things that you do outside of, and the things that there's things that you can bring to the table outside of just being a student athlete. So um, I think it's just a, a con- like, I, I really found it an important conversation to have with younger generation people in my generation and even the older generation of just, you know, what did you go through and stuff like that? How did you deal with it? Um, you know, and just having candid conversations um, with female athletes, with male athletes, um, and just, and just talking about it. Cause I find if we don't talk about it, everyone's gonna go through it. And you know, we're all going through it. Why not just go through it together, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, my, one of my, one of three of my friends um, I went to school with um, in New Brunswick, we were going through the same thing and literally we were all checking in with each other. Like, hey, how are you? You good? Yeah, I'm good, but we're not really good. And then when we started talking about our feelings it was like, yo, I was going through the same thing. like. Bruh, like, why don't we just, you know, why don't we just come together and, and, you know, do stuff together and, you know, take our mind off of the negative um, feelings that we had. So, yeah. So I think, you know, it's really important as athletes and even your platform and, and um, just to use our platforms, just to talk about it and bring awareness to, to mental health and, and what it feels like to be, you know, a postgraduate and not playing sports anymore. So, yeah. Yeah. Would you agree that one of the reasons why 
post-career depression happens for some people is because I remember Jason talked about this in a previous episode about an identity crisis. You know, once you're done school, like you're done basketball, like you don't know what to do with yourself. Like, would you agree that one of the reasons why people go through post-career depression is because there could be an identity crisis in terms of, you know, once school is done, people don't know what to do with themselves. Like this is the first time where basketball is not really part of their life no more. So maybe they might not know what to do with themselves. That for that reason, they might be depressed. Mm-hmm. It feels like, it feels like it's, it's very correlated, but like, it feels like it's a, like identity. Yeah, it does. It feels like a, it's an identity crisis and it's, and it's just like, okay, what do I do? Do I, am I a normal person? Like, do I just, you know, work nine to five and I just go about my business? Like there's no, okay, I have to get ready for, cause you know, as athletes, we, we do it subconsciously and we, you know, we have practice at six o'clock. So we know we got to eat at three, you know, we, there's, there's so many things that we have to like, we just do without even like writing it down and whatever but when it comes to just you know not having sport it's like okay I don't know when when do I eat like when do I watch tv when do I chill when do I you know (laughs) you know it's just it's just a thing where it's like I don't really know how to feel because I've never felt like this or I've never been in this position without sport um and when I and you know Jason you could probably attest to this too when we were injured like when you're injured you have to sit out like you actually do kind of feel like a normal person um but you still have to attend practices you still have to like you know do your rehab you still have to you know time manage and organize that so you still kind of are a part of it but you know being taken away from the sport even when you're injured it it kind of you know it gives you that little bit of like okay I don't know what I'm going to do without basketball like you know it gives you um a glimpse of that before yeah, it was almost like a blessing in disguise because then I also found before it's like your ego can be up here when you're a healthy athlete and you have yeah. everything going for you and then it's like you know injury it's a blow or yeah once you're once you're done it's like whoa <laughs> you went from being you know yeah, top like, star to ooh, I'm here normal. <laughs> so, yeah. exactly yeah who am I yeah how long would you say that transition took from after you finished playing to actually be comfortable with saying okay I don't play basketball no more there's other stuff I can do like how long would you say that period took for you to kind of be comfortable with not having basketball as a normal routine for you I would say like six probably eight months six to eight months because so I graduated in June well okay so you get this feeling where it's like oh my god I'm finally done no more practice no more you know my body doesn't hurt no more it's cool like you know time to party time to vacation time to you know just chill you know that comes a time when it's like probably the first three months and it's like okay cool like all right, cool. So now what do I do? Um, okay, I'm working, I'm getting money. I love getting money. Obviously, I couldn't get money because I had to do this and this and this with basketball. But um, yeah, there was there was a time where it's like probably in like November, September, September, October, where I was like, um, okay, like this is boring. Like, what do I how do I, you know, get back to basketball or whatever? So I, I you know I picked up coaching and uh, you know, I had an opportunity to coach um some young girls so I still was a part of it so I was like okay this is the time management thing that comes back like I had to I practice I had this and um so that that that's kind of it kind of helped me honestly pick myself up because I was I was a little sad being a nine-to-fiver so like basketball kind of like coaching I had the opportunity to coach so um so when I had the opportunity I was like okay like I could still do this you know I could have my nine-to-five with a coach and then that kind of made me realize that you know, I still wanted to be attached to basketball, but just in a different way. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So since you left Nipissing, what's the biggest thing you've learned about yourself? You know, since you've basically oh. kind of like hung up with you, like what's the biggest thing you've learned about yourself? Um, the biggest thing I learned about myself. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, 
that I am somebody without basketball and I can take my transferable skills that I've learned in school into life and the transferable skills that I learned in basketball as well I can also use that to shape my experience in you know the the corporate world or um you know just day-to-day life like if I if I have something that I you know I can't do I'm stuck on you know this is that's like equivalent to a drill that I, you know, a dribbling drill or whatever, like a shooting drill that I, I'm not perfect in. So um, yeah, I just, I kind of, I kind of learned that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be okay without basketball, you know, like I'm going to be okay without basketball and um, that I'm finding myself. Yeah. That I feel like I'm just getting, I'm getting to know myself without being a student athlete, like, you know, just really reflect, reflecting and, and doing some soul searching. <laughs> So this what were some of the most like transferable skills that you're talking about? What were some of those skills from, you know, sports, the university that you were able to take from your experience mm-hmm. in your five, six years of school that you're able to take to your now work world and, you know, personal uh, life? Just leadership and, and being able to lead, you know, either a team or being either a way to manage a team or, um, you know, and ha- being adaptable in, in different environments and stuff like that. Um, knowing when to network. Um, those, are, those are some of the skills that, you know, basketball and, and school has, has kind of taught me. And, and just being able to put yourself out there, you know, just, you know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Like, you know, hey, if you do this move and you miss your layup, whatever, and it didn't work, it didn't work. But, you know, you'll try again. You'll, you'll pick yourself up and try again. And I feel like that's, that's what I go by, you know, and, and in life, I'm going to try it. And if it doesn't work, hey, it doesn't work, you know, so yeah you know for our listeners out there we really pride ourselves on having you know thought-provoking conversations so you know this month we really want to focus on mental health for bella's talk day on january 28th and one of the thought-provoking discussions we always have you know other than mental health this month we know we've obviously talked about a lot about social justice in the past you know recently well, we're really going to focus this month on mental health and just really give people an insight to what mental health is and you know how to discuss and how to move forward. But, you know, obviously everyone has recently seen the events that happened with the U.S. Capitol and it's yeah. the big thing new. So I'm just curious to see like what your thoughts are about it. Honestly, my my thoughts about it is like, you know, if they were black, what would have happened? And, you know, it just shows, it just shows that white privilege is real. And, you know, white people are starting to realize like, okay, this is crazy. <laughs> this actually happens and you know they're they're starting to realize that you know this is actually real racism is real and those who had denied it before they can't deny it now you know and this is it's just crazy (laughs) it's just like to me it it honestly feels like it's a movie like what am i watching like what am i like what are they going through right now is it is it real like is it a movie (laughs) like it's a joke to me to be honest um and i just find that you know obviously in life as a black woman and as as black people we we go through things and we're just never taken like serious like you know the black lives matter okay yes it was taken serious around june or july but you know no one really talks about it now like you know we have to keep having those conversations and stuff like that and um and yeah and i just i just think that you know america is a little crazy (laughs) and we're like we're like the cousins that are pish posh and but we still have some racism within Canada, within our systems and stuff like that. And it's just, 
more suppressed. Like it's more like passive aggressively done. And, you know, we stand for people who think that, you know, it doesn't happen in Canada. It definitely does happen in Canada. So I've heard this statement a lot of times and I just want to talk to you about it. You know, I've heard the statement so many times where it says, you know, the black woman is probably the most least protected person as it comes to the law. Could you just give a little bit of insight just from your perspective on how true that statement actually is? Um, yeah, I, I believe that a thousand, a million, ninety nine quadrillion, like, <laughs> because, you know, we as black women, we are we're not rated like I don't know if you guys understand that, but like we're not rated in the fact where, um, you know, the way we do our hair, the way we carry ourselves, the way we um, we speak, we talk, whatever. Like it's just we start things and it's like there, there's a lot of appropriation like we you know, we have black excellence or black girl magic and it's never notified in it and it's never um, it's never like uplifted or celebrated, you know, even even by our black men. Sometimes I find black men, they yeah, they they're OK, we're, we're cool, but it's not like they don't rate us as well. So it's like um, and who's going to protect us if our black men don't even protect us, you know, so um, that statement, honestly, like it's, it's, it's so real and colorism is real, racism is obviously real. And I just find that we as black women, um, we always have to be not defensive, but we always have to be on a protection mode because everyone, everyone's against us kind of thing. Like everyone doesn't really like rate us. So, you know, talking to you recently, you know, we've talked a little bit about, um, the same topic. And, you know, one of the things I discussed with you is that, um, about, you know, black people and all the stuff, you know, I talked to you about how we're starting a club at the school. You know, for those who don't know, the listeners, um, we're starting a club at Nipissing, which is called New Base, which stands for Nipissing University Black Association for Student Expression. You know, talking to you, I didn't know this because obviously before this, I didn't really know you, but um, I heard that you were trying to kind of make a similar club or a, a club that basically has like the same thing. So just talk yeah. about that a little bit. Okay, so when I was there, throughout my, you know, my years of mixing, I was, um, I was like, okay, like, you know, we have obviously black athletes that don't just play basketball. We have some people on campus that are exchange students. We have some people that, you know, just come because of the, you know, some like the great programs that, you know, Nipsing offers and Canada offers and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, we just, we have a lot of, you know, we have, we don't have a lot of black people there, obviously, but the, a support system for black people at Nipsing is definitely needed and I find you know people I don't I don't want it I don't want it to ever be like okay you're coming to Nipissing just to come to Nipissing and just be done you know like obviously your school experience needs to be a valuable experience so um having a club to be a part of um would help and I I I really wanted it to be like obviously the teams about basketball teams the any team any person that wanted to kind of join and just feel like belonged because I find when my first couple of months or years there, I was like, I have to really just only be around my people to, to be feel like to feel welcomed, you know, because I guess it's, it's just not an environment that that North Bay or I guess Nipissing has ever um, created to feel like, you know, to welcome black people or other cultures even, you know, and yes, they say, you know, whatever they have their little calendars and stuff like that, but are we really celebrated or are we really, you know, promoted? in a way where we're, we're actually feeling welcome. So, you know, if I started that program or if I started that um, that club, I was, you know, gonna do different things like, you know, 
offering hair services obviously we have different hair <laughs> like obviously you know cooking classes like things like that so that we you know because back home when we're with when we're around um people like us or people that look like us we we feel like you know we can be ourselves you know and it's and it's a conversation that they like other people won't understand because it's like we just don't feel like ourselves around um a crowd let's say of white people or whatever or, or chinese people or whatever it is and i find a club like that would have been so helpful in in my school experience you know um yeah and i i, I think it's such a great idea i really want to be a part of it even as an alumni i'm like yo this is like great news that you're starting this like <laughs> i really really do want to help you guys like even build that because you know i get it sports is sports is a thing and you know let's just take away the narrative of you know black people being only good at sports or black people are only coming here for sports or whatever you know because there's no color in sports like literally you can you can go to school and not play a sport and still you know be part of a club um so i find you know that club would be really 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 helpful and to add on what you said too is also about you know being that example you know when you come to a school like you always look for someone to say okay who can I look up to or who's yeah. doing well or something I can take from someone. I think being that example, being that pillar for a change in a community where people are going to come up after you, I feel like it's great to set an example to say, okay, if this person can do it, I can do it too. Like you don't yeah. always just have to come to sports and, um, you know, go to school and that's it. Like you can yeah. actually affect real change and actually be a part of a world that you want to see because, you know, a lot of people talk about it, but not about it. Like a lot yeah. of people say they want to see things change. They want mm -hmm. to see policy put into play, but they mm -hmm. don't actually take the steps to actually make it happen. Yeah. So I think it's just really important with new base that we're actually like taking the time to actually like do something about it to actually affect change and have the change that we want to see. Because like you said, like when you come up here, like there's not a lot of people that look like us, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, there's you, you're here and then, you know, you play sports and you go to school. But once it's like this, for example, like someone said, you know, everywhere I go, I got to play Nipissing uniform on you know what i'm saying just to show that i go to nipissing yeah but here's a you know here's a question that a rhetorical question mm -hmm. if you take away that nipissing jersey what are you right in north bay like yeah. once i once i i take away my nipissing shirt my nipissing jersey and you don't know i, I go to nipissing i'm a black man so then yeah. what what now yeah but they also look at you differently right and and i find that once we start having those important and uncomfortable conversations I feel like it's not just a club for just black people. Like it's a club where, you know, everybody join and, and people can learn about our culture or learn about, you know, why we think the way we think or how we do things and stuff like that. So it's an, it's not an exclusive, like only black people can join, like, you know, exactly. It's, it's not, everybody. That's the, that's the narrative that they're going to try to build. I'm just letting you know that, um, you know, the pe people that are going to, you know, hate this movement because there's going to be people out there that's not going to support it. But, um, you know, you just, you always have to, to have that, you know, inclusive narrative of, you know, letting people in on, you know, how we feel and not just being so close-minded and just be like, all right, like you're like the rest of them, you know? So, um, it's, it's really important that you're, that you're doing this. Yeah. And that's the thing too. Like, that's the thing I want to make sure about this club. Like, even though it's like supposed to, you know, help to support black students, like anybody can join. Like, it's not just like black people not to like anybody can join like i said there's a lot of great people out there that do want to help so this is an opportunity for people to help like it's not just you know about black people that's it like everybody can be a part of this everybody can help affect change yeah. learn something contribute in some type of way so it's not just a, a closeted group like because that's the thing about everything here is it's all about inclusivity 
it's going to be it's going to be a club where people are going to be wanting wanting to learn about more you know of our history of our of how we feel and stuff like that and it's it's never been done before so kudos mm. to you yeah when it comes to everything we talked about what's like the one message you want to give out for everyone that's listening you know like we, like we said we always talk about you know you know social justice and change and just you know everything like what's if you could put it down to like one message like what would be the one message that you would like uh, to say i mean what i i live by is you know treat everybody like you want to be treated you know and put yourself in that person's shoes um and try to understand um where they're coming from even though they don't understand um i used to always be like you know white people don't understand white people this white people that but then you know i also come to terms where it's like they don't understand because you have never had that conversation or you've never you know opened up to them and said hey this is how i feel about this can you not do this and obviously if they don't do it then it's like all right you just you don't want to do it you know and i the vice versa like you know white people also need to understand well you know if i do this there's also a reaction off of my action or whatever it is you know and and it's just putting yourself in 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 the other person's shoes um and just treat people like how you want to be treated obviously no matter what race religion you know background they come from you just need to always treat someone like you want to be treated and what's your one message as it relates to you know like we back to the post-career depression since our focus is mental health what's the one message you would like to give to athletes about the importance of mental health being an athlete my advice for people when they are playing or they're currently playing they're finishing up their last year um start the self-reflection sorry start the self-reflection from now like start to get to know yourself other than basketball obviously your love is basketball or sport um but start to get to know you know things you like to do outside of your sport um you know create a bucket list for yourself or create um create a, a list of things that bring you peace um you know, whether it's taking yourself out to eat or, you know, um, listening to music and just taking things off, like taking things off for an hour and just listen to music, light a candle, whatever it is, start to get to know yourself a little bit um, earlier in your career. And obviously you have practice and you have school and you have homework, you have all exams and stuff like that, but take an hour just to really have your me time. Like me time is serious, <laughs> serious. Um, so you can develop that, um, you can develop that early. Um, and then for people who are about to graduate or are in that post-secondary, that post-graduate um, like weird phase, um, I would say, you know, just take it one day at a time because after you graduate, you feel like, okay, I just, I spent four years or five years doing something. Why aren't I in my industry or why aren't I in this? Why don't I have my own, like for, for people who are in business, why don't I start my own business? Why, why isn't my business working? You know, I tried several different businesses and it never worked because I did, I, I rushed them, you know, and obviously things take time. So my advice for people who are graduating would be, you know, just take one day at a time and, you know, celebrate those small wins because yes, we see a bigger picture as, as an athlete, we always look at, okay, I'm a drop 20 or know i'm gonna get this or you know we have the bigger goals but also in life you have to celebrate the small wins and just um and just take it one day at a time and you'll get it done you know so yeah 
Nagisa, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your thoughts with us. It's really appreciative. So we're winding down this podcast. So now we can get to our quick hitters, our quick hitter segment. So this is the part of the podcast where we ask our guests a question and they answer answer it as fast as possible. So Jason, <laughs> so Jason, you have the questions ready? Ready, whenever you are. Okay, first first question. Who's your favorite artist? Snow. <laughs> Snow Allegra. Okay, artist or song you have on repeat? I want you around. <laughs> Literally, Snow Allegra is going to be all my answers. I'm just letting you guys know. <laughs> <laughs> All-time favorite album? Uh, nothing was the same. Hey, favorite athlete? LeBron. <laughs> LeBron is my favorite, one of my favorite athletes. <laughs> team that annoys you the most or whose fans annoy you the most? So it could be when you played or a professional team. Oh, my God. Um, I, would, I would say Laurentian. Obviously, because that's their their fans are just doing too much. Okay, yeah. if you could spend a, a whole day with someone dead or alive, anyone could be an athlete, famous person. Who would it be? I think I feel like it would be LeBron because he just he's just funny. LeBron, um, it would be oh Snoop Dogg would be a celebrity fan. He just seems like a cool, chill, like he's just you know funny, cool. But yeah, yeah, that would be. Okay, okay. <laughs> let's see. This one's a personal one for me. Do you like pineapple on your pizza? Of course. Like, what? Who doesn't? One of my best friends, she's like, oh, I don't like pineapple on my pizza. I'm like, ew, like, what do you eat on your pizza then? <laughs> Two episodes Bro, in a row, Jason. Two episodes in a row. <laughs> okay, this one's another one that Tejan's on the same boat with, but let's see how you are with this one, okay? okay. Milk before or after the cereal? Okay, milk after the cereal. When I used to drink milk, I don't drink milk anymore, but it's you pour the cereal first and then the milk. Who says wait, who <laughs> Jason, did you did you say the opposite? No, I do I do cereal then milk. Okay, yeah, I cereal just, yeah, yeah, cereal then milk. That's like Oh yeah. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Hey John, what do you mean? I'm milk before cereal. <laughs> <laughs> What's the last show you binge watched? There was Queen of the South, and then the last one was um, Money Heist, I think. You pretty much already answered this one, but uh, LeBron or Jordan? I'm going to say Jordan because, just because, the time that LeBron's in right now, mm-hmm. of course he's going to be great. Like, you know, Jordan was like, you know, there's there's a lot of players like him, but he was just great. Like, you know, the side, everything. Like, LeBron, he's just faster, stronger, like, just... There's a lot of people, the game's changed, you know? So, mm. yeah, Jordan. Who's the best WNBA player of all time? I would, I mean, I'm biased. I think it's between Diana and Candace for me. But, like, yeah, Candace sure. is like, you know, Candace is my girl, but Diana, like, she is sick. Like, yeah. so. I was I was just gonna ask you Maya Moore or Candace Parker, but you're gonna say Candace Parker. So. Nah, but I mean Maya Moore is sick. Like, don't get me wrong, but like Candace, she's just the goat, like the goat of all goats, and obviously she became four. But like, yeah, Diana, Diana or or Candace, I I don't I don't even know. Like between the two, it's a tie. Okay. Yeah. What's what's one skill you wish you were good at? Singing. Singing would be. <laughs> I'm with you. Singing. Everybody knows. Everybody that knows me knows me. I cannot sing. Like I, Same. I can't even hum on beat. Like <laughs> I can dance though, but I can't. I cannot sing whatsoever. 
that's that's a talent you have to yeah be born with (laughs) even if i go to classes like i just i don't the the opposite like you know (laughs) yeah but my best friend's a singer so like you know she started to go to the studio and stuff like that and i was like okay like you know let me try to you know hop on the auto tune and even auto tune i sound bad (laughs) 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 yeah singing is one skill that i wish god bless me with that's kind of a Hooper question. Uh, Spalding or Wilson? Wilson. Wilson all the way. Who's the best player you ever played against? Oh, the best player ever played against? But there's a, there a girl named Brooklyn on Ottawa. I know, I know exactly what you're talking I knew you were going to say so that I, too. Brooklyn McClare Fantasy. I knew you were going to say that. She's I knew sick. Gonna, She's sick. Like, I'm going mean, to give her a pop. I knew, I knew you were going to say Brooklyn McClare Fantasy because I actually made a mixtape for her and she is, she's dope. So say we're in uh, alternate reality, you know, different time loop. What would this different time Kisa be doing if it wasn't basketball? I would probably, wait, can I pick another sport? The yeah. sport, it's any anything. career, like okay. anything, art. I'd like, be a track star. Okay. I'd be a track star. Um, Cause everybody knows, you know, my speed was my game, whatever, whatever. So I'd probably be a track star. And hopefully, you know, play Team Canada and like all that other stuff. Go to the Olympics, maybe. If I didn't blow money out, but yeah, that was, that's. And then if it wasn't basketball, I'd probably just making money. I'd be a billionaire by now, saving <laughs> <laughs> all my money. But yeah. Final question: If you could make a soundtrack of your life, what three songs are you using? <gasps> soundtrack. Wow, these are good questions. <laughs> um. Oh my goodness. Um. Um, so yeah, Smile by Kirk Franklin is definitely one. Um, Cause that's like, you know, smiling and having a good time. Um, damn, oh my gosh, I really don't know. This is such a good question. Um, okay, oh, Leader. You know, that's on Leader by Dex Adapts. Um, that's a really good song. So Smile by Kirk Franklin, Leader by Dex Adapts. And um, let's do a Drake song here. Too much. Oh my God. Too much would be probably like number one. Too much. Don't don't think about it. Too much. Too Who's much. that by? Drake. Oh, Drake. Okay. Drake. This one. Okay. 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 Jason. Honestly, I I really don't see. Yeah, like it's hard. That's hard. That's a hard question. I have an idea. I think I think I got a good three. Well, Jason, you go first. I don't have a broad enough spectrum of music I listen to, if you know what I mean. Like, I strictly listen to, like... You listen like, to it all, Jason. 95% of the time, I'm listening to rap. And honestly, half the songs I listen to, none of it is relatable to my lifestyle <laughs> at all. <laughs> like, so. we, we, we drip, drip, we drip. <laughs> <laughs> we sell drugs. We <laughs> Seriously. On the block. <laughs> yeah, like, holy. So I, okay. I don't even know if I can answer that. Okay. I got I'm, I got made three, but I'm gonna add one. So I'm gonna make I'm gonna say four. Mm-hmm. First song for sure, "Grinding All My Life" by Nipsey Hussle. Okay, yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Started from the bottom by Drake. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have a third one. Oh yeah, "My Moment," which is Two Chains, Meek Mill, and DJ, and uh, DJ Drama. Mm-hmm. And the one I'm gonna add is "Remember the Name" by Fort Minor. That's a good song. That's those are those are good ones. Wow, start from the bottom and right now my life. My life is like yes, that song is good. Like on my life, 
got it on my life. Hustle for the price. That's <laughs> so those are those are my four songs but um, yeah that's, that's 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 some good songs right there start from the bottom now here yeah that's a good song but anyways that's all the time we have so um nikisa thank you so much for coming on and talking to us talking with us today we appreciate it thank you thank you i appreciate you guys and honestly keep it up like this platform is so good and nepasi needs it university schools other schools need it like you guys are really doing a good job you know and um i appreciate you guys for you know thinking of me and um yeah so grateful thanks guys anyways that's a wrap on another edition of the lakers lock room you can catch the video of this interview on youtube and listen to the full interview on all podcast streaming platforms see you guys next week run it up <laughs>